Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this week I'm going to talk about the frustrating dilemma of modern day mirrorless cameras and their annoying compromises. It's the middle of 2019, and there's a lot of cameras available today, especially in the mirrorless world, and they do some amazing things. But each brand of the four major players has some sort of compromise that makes them not fun to work with. So no matter if you're a Canon shooter, Sony, Nikon, or Panasonic, every camera brand out there in their new mirrorless line has some sort of compromise that you need to think about when you're looking at upgrading or investing in a new camera. So if you are into video production in any way, shape, or form and are looking at purchasing a new camera or upgrading to a new camera, this podcast is for you. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. All right, guys. It is, uh, well, I guess as of recording this podcast, it's actually um, Wednesday, and it's been a pretty good week. I've been I've been really busy this summer. It's really funny because not that long ago I did an episode with my my friend James Fott, um, who's actually in Africa right now. But <laughs> James is uh, the owner of Wild Story Productions, and he specializes in real estate work. And in our podcast, I was talking to him about real estate and having him explain a lot of the stuff that he does in his real estate um, video and real estate photography work. And uh, one of the things I talked about was how I don't do real estate videos. It seems like ever since the podcast came out, I've been spending the last, I don't know, month or so doing tons of real estate work. I'm not sure where it all came from or what made it happen, but I've been doing a lot of real estate work, um, particularly commercial real estate, where we sit down and script out the shoot, plan out uh, dialogue, interview the the agent, that type of thing. And th- those that's different than your typical real estate video because that's just my style of work. And uh, I've somehow in the commercial world, there's been a market for that in the Austin area where I live. And so I, I went from doing no real estate work to recording that podcast. And now all of a sudden I'm doing a lot of real estate work. It's just really funny. It just goes to show you that, um, you know, you, you, anytime you think you have it figured out, you never truly know what God has planned for you. So I guess right at this moment in time, this is what he wants me uh, to do. So <laughs> that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. But one of the things in, in my real estate work lately that has frustrated me is some of the annoyances of working with Sony cameras. And I've been working with Sony cameras for a long time. If you've been following me on my Rustic River media page, or if you've been following the Filming with Josh podcast or the Filming with Josh group, you know I'm a Sony shooter. I work with an A7R3, A7 III, and an FS7 Mark II. And I've been working with Sony cameras for a long time. I mean, seriously, I had an A77, then an A99, A7S, A7S2, A6300, A6500, um, <laughs> A7R2, A7R3, and now an A7 III. So yeah, I've had a lot of Sony cameras, um, but I've also owned other brands. I've owned a GH4 from Panasonic. I've had a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera. I've had um, a Canon 5DSR. I've had uh, some traditional Sony video cameras. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a, a wide variety of cameras, and I've worked with a wide variety of cameras. And in my time working with different cameras, I have 
come to realize that every brand of camera out there has really good things about them and really annoying compromises. And it, it's almost, some of them, all brands for the most part share some, some of the same compromises. Um, but it seems like every brand has one or two particular things that are unique to them that are really big compromises. And so what I've learned over the years when you are purchasing a mirrorless camera or a DSLR camera, and this podcast is going to focus on mirrorless cameras because that's where the market is today. I want to talk about where the market is today, not where it was five years ago or even last year. I want to talk about where we are today and where we're headed. And and so in, in thinking of it from those terms, every mirrorless camera out there has a lot of really great features, but each of them have something unique about them that make them a compromise. And so when you are looking at purchasing a mirrorless camera today, it's important that you know what these compromises are so you know which compromises you can live with and which ones you can live without. And that's that's what's led me to shooting with Sony just because not that Sony's any better than any of these other brands of cameras, it's just that Sony's compromises were compromises I could sort of live with. <laughs> but some of the compromises from the other brands, I couldn't. And so what I want to do today is uh, this is going to be the most, and my I'm going to try to make this the most not biased podcast ever, even though I'm a Sony shooter. I want to go through this podcast um, and break down Canon, Sony, Panasonic, and Nikon, their mirrorless lines. And I'm not going to give you all the specs, and I'm not even going to talk a whole lot about photography. I'm just going to talk about this from a video standpoint. And I'm going to tell you the things that make each of these brands good and the things that make... Uh, that are the compromises for each of these brands, so that if you are looking at purchasing a camera today, um, you can have an unbiased opinion on which one is right for you. So without further ado, let's jump in and do this. I want to start out with Canon. Canon's kind of the classic video, video camera line when it comes to thinking of DSLR or mirrorless style video, because they, they really revolutionized video with the uh, with the uh, with the 5D Mark II and 5D Mark III. There were other brands that had um, DSLR style bodies with video in them, like uh, Nikon had a camera available at, the, at around the same time, but everyone knows that Canon's kind of the one who revolutionized it. Um, so they're kind of the classic brand you think of when you think of DSLR style shooting. Today, they have two mirrorless cameras available, the EOS R and the EOS RP, and they're both nice cameras. Um, and I'm going to tell you what the pros of these mirrorless cameras are for Canon. First off, they have really great bodies. I think that their camera bodies are really well built. They're weather sealed. They're comfortable to use. Um, I haven't spent a whole lot of time working with the EOS R, but in the times I have, I really like the way it's built. Um, I, I like the touch screen. I like that the touch screen flips out. I like the screen on top of the camera body. I mean, there's all kinds of things about it that just make it a really well-built camera body that feels, ergonomically speaking, it feels real comfortable, real good in the hands. And you know it's going to last. And the EOS R and EOS RP are not as well-built as the 5D series or the 1DX series that Canon has been known for. Um, but they're still really well-built cameras, and I'm sh I'm certain that over time, their build quality is only going to get even better than it already is in their mirrorless line. So they've got great bodies. They also have, in my opinion, and this is very subjective, but in my opinion, they have the best color science 
of any of the available mirrorless cameras. Um, again, that's a subjective thing. You might be a big fan of the Nikon color or the Panasonic look or even the Sony, but for me personally, and I think if you were to ask the majority of people out there, you would find that most people prefer the Canon look. It's just the straight out of box colors are fantastic. Even if you shoot in their log form, uh, log profiles, you can get so it's so easy to get great color out of their cameras. And so I'm I'm a big fan of Canon's color science. And so when you shoot with their mirrorless line, you're getting that. I also think that they have by far the best line of mirrorless lenses. Now, Canon's mirrorless line is fairly new, and they're mirrorless. Uh, they don't have a lot of mirrorless lenses available yet. But the ones they do have are phenomenal. Like they're 28 to, it's like 28 to 70 or 28 to 75. I think it's 28 to 70. F2 lens is insane. It's huge. <laughs> and it's like carrying around a 70 to 200. But it, it is an F2. It's basically an F2 version of the classic 24 to 70 2.8. You could replace three different prime lenses with that nearly. Really, really interesting lens. And all of their all of their mirrorless lenses produce amazing images. They're extremely well built, and they have this really cool, um, really neat ring on them that you can assign a different custom function to. Like, let's say you want to have a clickless aperture on your lens, and you want to control your f-stop with your lens, your Canon lens, but it doesn't have an actual aperture ring on it. Well, you can take their that ring that's on, they have this customizable ring on their mirrorless lenses, you can go into your menu on your Canon uh, EOS R camera and give that ring a custom function. Just like you would have a custom button on your bot on a camera body, you can give that ring a custom function. So you could say, hey, I want that ring to be um, uh, a clickless aperture, and you give it that function, and now you can adjust your f-stop with that ring almost like you would with a normal manual focusing lens with an external aperture ring. And there's other functions you can assign to it too. It's a really well thought out feature that Canon has included in their lens lineup. And I can see a world of things um, that you can they can do with that. So many opportunities to add things like digital zooms or things like that. So that, that ring is really interesting. I think it's a fantastic feature. You can set all kinds of things to it. And I think it's only that's just something they're only going to expand upon um, in the coming years. So personally, I think that's a very interesting, well thought out feature that they came out with. And you can just tell when you mess with their lenses that they are their mirrorless RF lenses are built. They're built to last, and they're going to be around a long, long time. And it, and in the past, I've always kind of thought Canon's had the best lenses. I've always thought their EF line had the best. Um, lens line, lenses uh, available of any of the major players, and I think that they're just continuing that with the RF line. So when you buy into the Canon mirrorless system, you're getting into the system that's going to work with, in my opinion, what are the best lenses available. Um, they also, speaking of lenses, if you have Canon EF glass already, or if you're interested in getting a mirrorless line and want to get some cheaper EF glass, there is a really cool thing that Canon came out with. I think this is brilliant. They came out with an adapter. They have three different adapters available, just a standard adapter to adapt EF glass to the RF mount. Then they have one that's got that ring on it, the ring I was just telling you about that their lenses have. They actually have an adapter with that same ring on it. So you could put an EF lens, like a 70-200-2.8, on 
the EOS R camera body with an adapter that has that ring on it. So you can have the same custom features on that ring that you would have if you bought an EOS R uh, or an RF lens. And I think that's really cool. And then they actually have a third adapter, and this is the one that's the most interesting to me. They have an adapter for EF to RF mount that actually has a built-in variable ND filter. I mean, how cool is that? You don't have to screw on a variable ND filter in the front of your lens as long as you're using that adapter. So if you're a Canon shooter right now and you have Canon EF glass and uh, you're looking at working with a new camera but you're not sure which way to go, just know when you get the EOS R line, first off, you're getting adapters that are made by Canon that you know are going to function really well because they're designed literally by the same company. But you also have the option to get an adapter that has a built-in variable ND with a little wheel on it that you just scroll and it changes the ND setting. And how neat is that? It literally gets rid of the need for an external um, ND filter that you have to screw in the front of your lens. And then you can actually pull that ND out of the adapter and slide in a clear filter. Um, and they're real small. And you just pop one out and put in the clear filter and now you've, you've taken the ND out. Pretty, pretty neat option that's available if you want to work with EF glass. Um, and then they have uh, they have some other features that I think are really cool too. If you are changing a lens and you turn the camera off on the EOS R, the shutter actually closes to prevent dust from getting into the sensor of the camera. And that's amazing because all the other mirrorless cameras, especially with Sony, since they are kind of like the pioneers of the full frame mirrorless um, realm of cameras, if you've worked with Sony cameras or read anything about them, you know that they're prone for getting dust on the sensor because there's no mirror there to block it. And so Canon creatively came out with what every camera should have, and that is a feature where their shutter closes when you change, turn off the camera and change lenses so that dust doesn't get inside your camera body when you're changing lenses. That should be in every single camera out there, but it's not. And Canon has that, and I think that's a massive feature. Another thing that they do really well is they have 10-bit color to an external recorder. Um, that's, that's great. If you are working with their cameras for video and you want higher quality video, you know that you can output 10-bit color to an external recorder, which is fantastic because it opens up more doors for you. Now, as great as all those things are, Canon has some cons. And you'll, you've, if you've read anything about Canon's mirrorless line, you've probably read about some of these. First off, they don't have IBIS or image stabilization. Um, that's, that's a big misstep in my opinion. Every other brand that I'm going to talk about today of the four major players has IBIS. Canon should have IBIS. It's 2019. Their excuse for not having it is, is way overdue. Like it's, it just doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. Just shut up and put it in the camera. And it looks like they are going to come out with that in their newer upcoming cameras. But the, but as of the timing of this video, in the middle of 2019, when every other brand of camera has it, there's no reason for them not to, and they don't. Neither of their mirrorless cameras have IBIS. And that's a big misstep. And in my opinion, IBIS is a game changer. You can take a 24 to 70 lens, or in their case, that 28 to 70 f2, and you can go out and have, you know, have it stabilized for handheld shots or things like that. And, but not having that, I mean, it makes lenses like that a lot harder to work with. So it's really frustrating in my opinion. They also have the notorious, terrible 4, 4K crop in video. If you are shooting 4K with any of, of Canon's mirrorless line, and really with like their 5D Mark IV, for example, as well, 
there is a 1.8 times crop on in 4K. 1.8 times. Think about it, guys. If you are shooting with a micro four thirds camera like a GH5, that's a sensor that has a two times crop compared to full frame. You are buying a full frame Canon camera when you shoot with the RF, uh, the R series, and you are buying full frame glass, but you are shooting nearly micro four thirds equivalent video. That's ridiculous. And that uh, that four that crop in 4K is. Uh, that's a big misstep in my opinion, and that's a huge compromise if you want to work with their mirrorless line. And if you think, well, I'll just shoot in HD when I want wide shots, well, that's another compromise because their HD is incredibly soft. And you'll find in this list today when I talk about this that pretty much every brand of mirrorless camera out there has very soft HD. And the reason for that is we are working with higher resolution cameras today, 24 megapixels, 30 megapixels, 42 megapixels. Uh, Sony's new uh, A7R4 that has 61 megapixels. These are all higher megapixel cameras. When you try to achieve HD with a sensor that has so many pixels and you want that HD to shoot the full width of the sensor, the only way it can do it is by using different algorithms called like pixel binning or line skipping. And what it's doing is, is it's basically using these algorithms so that you can still use the full sensor but achieve HD. The problem with pixel binning or line skipping is that those algorithms are not, they, while it can scale HD down uh, up to a full frame sensor, it doesn't do it in a way that retains the sharpness or attains the detail that you would have if you shot at a higher resolution. And so the HD imagery, when you're using line skipping or pixel bending on these higher megapixel cameras is very soft, full of aliasing or artifacts and just doesn't look good. It just looks mushy. When you shoot a slow motion subject, for instance, at uh, let's say you're shooting HD 60 and you're filming someone walking in slow motion, it won't be as bad because there's not as much details for it to lose. You're just filming the person. But let's say you're shooting a real estate video and you want, you have your camera on a gimbal and you're getting a fake dolly shot of uh, moving your camera towards the outside of a building or a house and there's grass and trees outside, you're not going to see a lot of detail on the leaves or on the grass, it's all going to be kind of mushy because there's too much going on, too much detail there. And this algorithms of pixel bending and line skipping cannot handle all that information. And so you you get mushy and soft HD. And if you follow the Filming with Josh Facebook group, you'll see that I recently posted about this with my uh, a7 III camera. And, and it's, a, it's a widespread problem that is not just in Canon, but Canon is one of the camera manufacturers that suffers from this. So really when you buy any mirrorless camera today for the most part, you have to understand that you're going to have pretty soft HD. And the only two cameras out there, mirrorless cameras that are full frame that have good quality HD are the A7S and A7S2. And that's because the A7S and A7S2 are only 12 megapixel sensors. So they don't have to do a lot of the same algorithms to achieve HD on the full on the full sensor because there's not as many megapixels in the sensor to begin with. So because of that, they can they can retain real sharp HD imagery. I apologize, my phone is ringing. Um, but if you are working with um, any other camera outside of the A7S or A7S2, you've got to understand that you're going to have um, softer HD. And 
You may ask yourself, why does that matter? Why not just shoot 4K? Well, the reason is, is because you'll find today when I go through this list that there's not very many cameras, full frame cameras that shoot 4K 60 available today. So if you want slow motion, you have to shoot in HD on pretty much all these cameras. And so because of that, that's a weak spot when working with cameras like the EOS R. So that's something to keep in mind. If you plan on shooting slow motion uh, or HD or anything like that, you got to know going into it that you're going to have a softer image. And if you want the sharpest slow motion or the sharpest HD image possible, you really need to be looking at the A7S or A7S II. Um, and that brings us to the second point. There's no 4K60 in either one of these cameras. And so like I just got through saying, because there's no 4K60 in the Canon cameras, you have to shoot in their soft HD to have slow motion. Also, another con of the EOS R or EOS RP line is that there's no available audio adapter like Sony has with the K2M. Sony's K2M audio adapter is an amazing, amazing um, creative adapter that allows you to plug in this device into the top of the hot shoe of the camera and now have two XLR inputs. And so you could plug a shotgun mic and a wireless mic into an A7 III, for instance, and have phantom powered two separate channels of audio, proper audio inputs for your mirrorless camera, just like you'd have with a traditional video camera. So that's a really, really neat thing. And it's really important if you want to work with a mirrorless camera and have good audio. Well, Canon doesn't have anything like that. And so because of that, if you shoot with a Canon EOS R, EOS RP camera, if you want proper audio, you either have to work try to um, work with just one channel of audio and use the 3.5 millimeter jack on the side of the camera body, or you have to hook up something like a splitter if you want two channels of audio, and that leads to, to more work in post. Or if you have to use something like um, a, a mixer or an external recorder, which means cages and rigs and all this other stuff. And so Canon's EOS R line is great for photography, has great color science, um, have great lenses and great adapters and can output 10-bit color, yada, yada, yada. However, the lack of IBIS, the terrible 4K crop in video, soft HD with no 4K60 options, and no option to use a, an audio adapter like the K2M means that they're really not the, that great in terms of videography when you think about it. They, they have a lot of potential, but they just aren't there yet. And so that's just, those are all things you really need to think about. The last two compromises is they have the weakest of all the sensors available um, in any of the mirrorless cameras today. That's because Canon makes their own sensors and Sony makes their own sensors, but they also make their sensors for Panasonic and Nikon. Panasonic and Nikon are using, for the most part, Sony sensors. There is speculation that Panasonic is now finally using their own sensors, um, but that's still kind of unclear. However, um, for the most part, most of the sensors out there are made by Sony, which has basically, they have arguably the best sensor, I don't even think it's arguably, they do have the best sensor division out there. And so Canon, while it's really neat that they make their own sensors, they are just aren't as good because they don't have the same technology that Sony has. And so because of that, they don't. their cameras don't have the same type of low light performance or the same type of dynamic range that... Uh, the Sony or Nikon or Panasonic's do. And so that's something to keep in mind. And then lastly, the last compromise of working with one of Canon's mirrorless cameras is that their, their uh, video codecs are 
not the best. They've gotten better. They're not as bad as they were with like the 5D Mark IV or the 1DX Mark II, but their codec still needs some work. So that's the list of, of cons and uh, compromises when looking at working with the Canon mirrorless line of cameras. Next up is the Sonys. Sony has been pushing the mirrorless line for a long time, which is why I've been working with them for a long time. And they have some really great pros to working with their mirrorless line of cameras. Um, they have nice small bodies that are easy to pack, and uh, they have great battery life. They're well built. They have image stabilization. They have currently the largest available range of, of native lenses because they've been around the longest for, mir for their mirrorless line. And they can adapt pretty much any lens ever made. And there's tons of adapters available for Sony. Um, they have a lot of professional video features like full frame 4K with no crop. But then you also have the option to shoot in an APS-C crop mode by the touch of a button. So you can have full frame 4K. And then if you want a tighter shot, you can tap the crop button and now have a 1.5 times crop on your lenses, which is really cool. So if you're filming wildlife, for instance, you can crop right in on the wildlife and get that shot, but then still go back to full frame um, when you're done. So it's a really neat thing. They also have the K2M audio adapter I was talking about a minute ago. So you can have professional um, phantom powered dual audio inputs and they cut really well with their professional line of cameras like the FS7, FS5, F55. I know I use my a7 III and my a7R III alongside my FS7 II all the time and they cut really well together. Canon can cut fairly well with their um, EOS line of cameras as well. However, you have to know when you work with Canon's uh, mirrorless line that because of all their other compromises, it's harder to make them good B cameras for their C300s, C200s, etc. Whereas Sony's, because Sony's mirrorless line can shoot full frame 4K and has the K2M adapter and has such great low light performance and high dynamic range and things like that, they're easier to cut with their full, with their, uh, with their video camera division uh, line of cameras. So you can work with an a7 III, a7R III, and an FS7 or an FS5 all day long and be able to easily cut the footage back and forth together. And that's a, that's a really big pro if you're someone like me who has a video camera as your main camera and wants to use mirrorless cameras as your main B cameras. Sony's are really good, but they and they also have really good autofocus, which is something Canon also has. But the biggest cons of working with Sony are, first off, again, like the Canon, they have soft HD. They have no 4K60 options. They are the only brand of cameras out of the big four that does not have any 10-bit video option, whether internal or external. They just don't have it. They have um, no ability to block dust like Canon does. So when you're changing lenses, the sensor is wide open, so dust can get in on the sensor. They are uh, a little bit more prone to uh, weather sealing issues. I personally have never had a problem with my Sony cameras and have shot with them all over the world in rain, snow, dust, heat, you name it. However, it is well known that the Sony cameras just as well built as they are, they just don't have quite the same type of weather sealing as something like a Canon would have. They also have the weakest color science of all the major players, in my opinion. And I say that as a Sony shooter, and I, I like the way I grade my footage. However, Sony's color science just isn't as good as Canon, Nikon, or Panasonic, in my opinion. And again, that is subjective, but it's just harder to achieve great-looking color 
I find working with Sony cameras, and I think if you'll talk to most people, they'll say the same thing. Um, in the Sony bodies, also, you'll find that a lot of people say that they're a little too small. Now, that's subjective because to me, I like their bodies. I think that other than needing some improvements on weather sealing, which it looks like we got with the A7R4, I think the size of the camera body is great. But that's for me. I'm, I have smaller hands um, than other people do. But if you have a, if you have really big hands, you may not you may not like that. So it's something to keep in mind. But the biggest con of working with Sony, in my opinion, and this is a major, major, major con, and this is this is something I've been battling with ever since I've been shooting with mirrorless lenses, and that is Sony's fly-by-wire lens system is horrible, horrible. There are other fly-by-wire systems out there like Panasonic or Canon, but they've done a much better job of making their fly-by-wire lenses feel like a mechanically focused lens, whereas Sony's fly-by-wire lenses are really tough to work with. If you don't know what fly-by-wire is, essentially it means that your focus ring works with electronics, not with focus gears. When you work with a traditional DSR, DSLR lens like the Canon 70-200-2.8, for instance, when you shift the focus ring to change your focus, there are gears inside the lens that are moving as you shift the ring, and those gears are what change the, the, focal, uh, the focus in the glass. And that's great because it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you turn the focus ring, it just matters the distance you turn it. So if you've got three, if you want to shift your focus from a flower to a tree, for instance, and you know it's you need to rotate it, you know, roughly three inches to go from the flower to the tree, you could do it slowly, you could do it quickly, you could do it at whatever speed you want, so long as you turn it those three inches. Whereas Sony's fly-by-wire system, it's all speed-driven, and it, there's no consistency. It doesn't matter. Um, it all matters on just how fast or how slow you turn the, turn the lens, not the distance. So if you turn the lens three inches slowly, it's going to change the focus distance a lot different than if you turn the three in, same three inches quickly. It's all computer-driven, and it all comes down to how fast or how slow you're turning the focus ring, not how far you're turning it. And so because of that, there's no consistency in the focus. And that's why you find so many people online complaining about pulling focus with mirrorless lenses. And a lot of professional focus pullers will say they just simply can't do it because it's just not, it's not consistent. Whereas true cinema lenses or even older DSLR glass that's mechanically driven, um, there's consistency there. And you can use a follow focus wheel or even your hand and nail the focus every time because it's all based on the distance of what you're changing the focus ring. And Sony's just doesn't have that down. Now, Canon and, and other camera manufacturers are moving to fly-by-wire because fly-by-wire systems are better for autofocus for video and photography, which is why Sony uses it. However, unlike Sony, camera manufacturers like Canon are spending time making sure that you can turn the fly-by-wire focus ring and, and it still feel like it was mechanically driven and distance still matters. They've found a way to do that, whereas Sony's, Sony's is just terrible. It's all over the place. And they keep saying that with each of the lenses they come out with, they're improving it. But the reality is it's just not, it's still not good. And I have such a hard time pulling focus on wildlife with my 100 to 400 or pulling focus on a speaker what's walking up and back and forth on a stage with my 70 to 200. I never had those issues when working with those same lenses with 
Canon and Canon EF mount. So that's something that's a major, major, major con if you work with Sony mirrorless cameras and native Sony lenses. Now we're on to Panasonic. Panasonic has well-built cameras that have really good weather sealing in them. They do have an audio adapter available, kind of like Sony's K2M. I do like Sony's K2M audio adapter better because it has a built-in shock mount for holding a shotgun mic, whereas Panasonic's, you kind of need a cage to get theirs to work. However, it is available, and you can have proper audio inputs in their Panasonic mirrorless cameras. They now, with the new SH-1 or S1H, whichever, however that is pronounced, <laughs> has a 6K vi video available. It also has... Um, those cameras have 4K 60p and 10-bit color options, which is fantastic. They also have really good IBIS, great color science, and a good dynamic range. And soft HD isn't as big of an issue with Panasonic's mirrorless line because they have 4K 60. So if you want to shoot slow motion with Panasonic's line, you can do it and have really sharp footage because you can shoot slow motion in 4K where line skipping and pixel bending isn't really a problem. And... Last um, but not least, they, uh, they're just fun to work with. They've got a lot of real well-thought-out video features. It's easy to turn on um, different things like uh, waveforms and things like that, which are really great to work with. Um, most Panasonic cameras have the option, for instance, to, have, uh, to select if you don't want to change a shutter speed for video and you'd rather work with shutter angle. Those are options with the Panasonic camera. So it's really, really, they're really neat to work with but they do come with their own cons as well. First off, they have terrible video autofocus. Where Canon and Sony shine, Panasonic is horrible. If you want to use any, any autofocus at all, whether on a gimbal, a slider, a jib, mounting a camera inside a car where you can't touch it, or maybe, uh, maybe you've got your solo camera operator like me and you're operating two or three cameras for an interview and you can only stand behind one of them, you want to use autofocus. Well, Panasonic's autofocus system is terrible. It's because they use contrast detect autofocus, not phase detect. So if you want to use autofocus in video, Panasonic is not the brand you should look at. Their lenses, their native lenses, are, are the new L-mount, and they are humongous. They're really big, really heavy, and they're the same, same lenses in Sony or Canon or Nikon are much more uh, realistically designed. They're smaller, more compact, whereas the L-mount is just stupid big. It's also stupid expensive. Um, that's something else to think about. I think that they're just overpriced, and they're just they're built to be too big, in my opinion. Their camera bodies are also too big. I think there's a fine line between having a nice, good grip and having a camera that's just built unreal, unreasonably big, and Panasonic crosses that line. They're just too big. Um, they're, they do have focus-by-wire lens design, which is not as good as... Um, you know, the traditional mechanical focus, and and uh, it's not as good even as the fly-by-wire design that Canon has. However, it's better than Sony's. So I, I'm, it's not, it's a con because it is fly-by-wire, but it's better than Sony. So that's something to think about. And then um, lastly, there are no available L-mount video cameras as of yet. I'm sure they're coming, but they're not here yet. So if you want to invest in Panasonic, mirrorless cameras and shoot their native L-mount lenses, you have to keep in mind that there are no video cameras for you to work with by Panasonic that match these cameras and use the same lenses. So that's something 
to think about. Moving on to Nikon now. Nikon, in my opinion, has the best body style of them all. They hit it right on the head. Ergonomically, they fit the best in your hands. They have a great little screen on top of the camera body. Um, actually, Canon and, and uh, Panasonic have them as well, but the one in the Nikon is just the nicest. The whole thing feels really good in the hands. Um, one con I do want to say about the Nikon's body, and Canon has this as well, is there's no dual card slot options like Sony has. I think Panasonic, by memory, does have dual card slots, but uh, Nikon and Canon don't. I want to say that for forget it. But outside of that, the body, the body of the Nikon, in my opinion, feels the best in the hands, and they're really well made. Nikon cameras, mirrorless line, the Z6 and C7, also have great color science. It has that, nat that really classic Nikon look. If you're into that Nikon look that pulls a little bit more towards the yellows and just a real great bright look, you will love working with the Z6 and Z7. They have great low-light performance and great dynamic range as well. And their older Nikkor class functions really well when adapted to their Z6 and Z7, kind of like the Canon does. They don't have the, the really cool um, adapters like Canon has, but they their lenses work really well when adapted, their Nikkor glass when it's adapted to their new line of cameras. So that's pretty cool. I think they're really well designed cameras all the way around the board. They also have IBIS and unlike Sony, they have 10-bit out and raw video out. They are the only video camera manufacturer of the four major players that has a mirrorless camera as of this point in time that can output raw. I'm hoping that a7 III can do that or at least 10-bit, <laughs> but Nikon has it. You can output 10-bit and output RAW, and that's a really cool feature. So if you are looking for a, a good mirrorless camera and you also would like the flexibility of RAW, Nikon's a great option to look at. So Nikon has, like I said, IBIS, 10-bit or RAW out, great functionality with their older glass, good low-light performance, high dynamic range, great color science and uh, great body style. So what's, I mean, what's there not to like about it? Well, like I said earlier, it only has um, one card slot, which is not a big deal, but it is something. They're prone to dust, kind of like the, uh, the Panasonic and Sony's are. They have soft HD footage and no 4K60, kind of like Canon and uh, Sony have. However, here's kind of where the biggest problem is. The reason why Nikon is not a camera system I shoot with, and if it wasn't for this, I'd consider it. But it's that they have no video cameras to upgrade to. Nikon, they just they don't play in that world. They don't have an FS5 camera or an FS7 or C300 or C200 or F5, F55. They don't have anything like that. They don't have an even one. They don't have none of those. So if you shoot with Nikon, you got to be a mirrorless shooter only or DSLR if you want their DSLR cameras. When you are a Nikon shooter, you only buy their cameras if you want to work with their mirrorless line. Now, of course, you can also have a video camera in addition to it, but you're, you're not going to be able to match the images really well, not easily at least, not without a lot of work, and you're not going to have uh, great compatibility with your lenses because you're going to have to have a Nikon-branded mirrorless cameras and some other brand of video camera. And for me, that's the biggest problem with Nikon. I actually really like the Z6 and Z7. Their autofocus isn't quite as good as Canon or Sony and video, but it's still pretty decent. Um, and they don't have an, a K2M adapter like Sony has or like a Panasonic has. But I mean, outside of that, they don't have a lot of cons. 
except for there's no upgrade path. There's no no option to have a bigger video camera to work with and have these be your, your B cams. And for me, that's the big compromise of the Nikon system. So overall, I've covered today the Canon, the Sony, Panasonic, and Nikon cameras, and I've told you a lot of the pros about them and a lot of the cons about them. And to me, when you are looking at buying a camera today, you've just got to decide, you know, what compromises are you willing to deal with? If you just love color, the color of the Canon cameras, and you want to work with a C300 or C200, you just love the glass that Canon makes, then maybe you're willing to deal with the compromises that come with Canon because you want the color science and the lenses and functionality that comes with maybe adapting EF glass. If that's really important to you, you might be willing to deal with the compromises that they have in video. And that could be a real option for you. With Sony, if you are willing to suck up and try your best to deal with their fly-by-wire lenses like I've been doing, um, and you're willing to willing to make it work, and you're willing, you want, you're willing to shoot a lot of stuff in autofocus, and it doesn't bother you, there's no 10-bit option, then Sony's got some really great options available. I really like the Sony cameras, and I love working with them. I'm glad I'm a Sony shooter, um, but I'm, I'm acknowledging that there are some major compromises that really tick me off, especially the manual focus. That is something I just have a hard time with. But if you're willing to deal with that or if you shoot with a lot of autofocus, then Sony may be a great option for you like it is for me. Maybe you don't care about autofocus at all. And if not, then Panasonic may be a good route to go. They don't currently have a video camera with L-mount, but you know it's coming at some point. And they have great options available like 10-bit color, 4K 60, 6K video, IBIS, just an option to put on a audio adapter like Sony's K2M. They've got some really interesting design cameras full of features, um, but you gotta keep in mind that they just don't have a good video autofocus and uh, they are still fly-by-wire lens designed and their lenses are huge and overpriced. But if you're willing to deal with that, that might be a great option for you. And lastly, if you don't ever plan on working with a, with a uh, an FS5 or C100 or FS7 or EVA1 or anything like that, then honestly, Nikon is a really great option. Raw out, 10-bit out, fantastic build quality of their, of their cameras. They're a great, great option. And that's something that if you're willing to compromise having a, a camera body that as a video camera that matches Nikon uh, really easily. If you're not worried about that, if you don't care about working with a video camera or you don't mind trying to make the two match together, then honestly, Nikon's a very good option to look at. So I hope that kind of helps you guys understand what some of the pros and cons are of working with the four major players. There are other camera brands out there. Fujinon has some really cool cameras. So does, um, so does um, Sigma. They're coming out with their own line of mirrorless cameras. And uh, Leica, of course, has a good line of cameras. However, these are the four major full-frame mirrorless camera brands to look at. But just know that none of them are perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect camera. And no matter what brand you go with, there are compromises that come with it. And it's just up to you to decide what compromises are you willing to deal with. I hope that this podcast helps you figure that out, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to it. And if you're not already, be sure to follow the Filming with Josh Facebook group so you can learn more about tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about my business, check out my website at www.rusticriver.media or follow me on Instagram at rustic underscore river underscore media. 
Thanks, guys, for uh, listening to this podcast. If you have any questions about anything I covered today, shoot me a PM or an email and let me know. See you guys next time. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Today.